Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. I do apologize for the very long hiatus uh, after having COVID and then recovering, then getting a manager position, and then getting sick again. Um, the second time wasn't too bad, but my voice like completely went away. Uh, but I'm super excited to be back in action and to make it up to all of you. Uh, next show that we do will be uh, next week for sure. Uh, we might do a couple shows uh, during Adepticon, but that will really just depend on uh, how early we end and uh, just the free time that we have. But for sure, next week we'll be doing a uh, post-game uh, Adepticon episode, and we will be giving away a starter. Um, I do have a handful to select from, so if you do win, uh, you'll be able to pick from what I have available. Uh, but I do apologize for the long hiatus. I want to be getting back into it and uh, be doing at least one of these a week, if not two, uh, to kind of make up for all the previous weeks. Um, I do apologize. My uh, voice is not fully recovered yet, um, but I think I'll be able to make do. Uh, but tonight with us, we have Brett and Craig. Thank you both for coming on. Sure. Anytime. Um, So, if you didn't already see the title, uh, we will be going over the Adepticon 2022 uh, tournaments, kind of doing a pregame, what to expect, uh, what kind of list building you'll need to do. Um, But, uh, you know, I figure anything, uh, you know, Anything will help at this point. You know, a lot of people kind of been out of the game for a while. Not a lot of big events going on. We had LVO, but other than that, uh, not a whole lot going on. Um, This is the first AdeptCon since 2019. I'm super excited to get my second shot at first place. Uh, Took second place in 2019. Um, And, you know, that was back in, I believe, one point. 1.5 1.5 or 1.4, so quite a while ago. Um, uh, the tournaments they do have, uh, another reason why I love AdeptCon, if you've never been, um, they have an event every single day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Thursday tournament is a, uh, a large event. It's 55 points uh, a player. Friday will be a team event. That's 25 points a player with uh, a flex point. Um, So you could do 26, 24. Um, And then Saturday is the main event, which is for uh, just the main qualifier um, tournament. And then the last on Sunday, uh, if the championship tournament on Saturday is unable to determine a clear winner, uh, Sunday will be used as a secondary day, but uh, regardless if it is, uh, Sunday is also a friendly tournament. Just kind of bring something fun and just kind of ha- you know have some fun for the day. Um, so regardless, uh, that tournament will happen. Um, but, uh, 
whether or not you're competing for the the top spots in the championship is whether or not you might be able to play on Sunday. So, um, so uh, with that said, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all three of us will be at the, the main tournament. And, Brett, you will also be at the team tournament. Yeah, I'll be at the 55 as well. Oh, you will? Okay, so Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'll be playing all of those. And um, Susie has to work, so it's, it's a good possibility that I'll have to skip out of the casual day, which is Sunday. It's really unfortunate. I was hoping to have an opportunity not to play in that one. I was hoping to grab, like, the newest player and just give them some coaching tips and offer some alternative ideas. I, I wasn't going to play. I was going to coach. So we'll see how it goes. It's still possible. Um, it's just a, a home scheduling conflict kind of situation there. Gotcha. And, of course, Craig, who's only going to the main event because, you know, he's too good. Now that he's got first place at LVO, he's just way too good to attend any of the other events. They're just beneath him at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Some, something like that or, or I might just have to work one of the two uh, I mean maybe but I mean that'd be a phenomenon right farmers right. they Depends don't work who you ask. oh yeah definitely not. <laughs> not in the spring no way um, <laughs> uh but anyways, with that said, we'll uh, kind of jump right into it. I, I kind of want to start this one off by talking about the um, the fun tournament. You know, kind of go into more of a lighter, um, you know, conversation. Um, I'm super excited for this tournament. Um, I, I can't necessarily say it's the one I'm the most excited for. They all bring kind of a, their own uh, fun aspect or, you know, unique um, – difference between the four of them uh but i'm excited for this one because i made uh so what i usually like to do if i know it's going to be a fun tournament i like to uh build one list that is uh sorry um a little background noise um one list that's like super out there like super fun um, you know, and it, again, that's, that's like a, that's an, you know, more of an objective term. So, you know, you might think it's fun, but you know, someone else, you show it to them, they're like, oh, that just, that looks cheesy or, you know, that's not really that fun. That's just, you know, lazy or this or that. Um, I say, as long as it isn't like some top list that you see everywhere, um, or some top combinations of like things, uh, you should be good to go for this tournament. I would uh, nothing strictly restricts you from building like a top of the line list um, in this, but I think it's more of the honor system. You know, it's right in the title that it's. Uh, let's see, to be more specifically, it's called the Adepticon Friendly Tournament. So. <clears throat> So, anyways, so with my two lists, I build one that's completely fun and out there. Um, and then my second list is actually super competitive. 
And I know that sounds a little weird, but my second list is literally only if I see my opponents of that guy, you know, that guy that thinks he's going to sneak his way into this tournament and just roll over people because, you know, that's what they find fun. Um, Because it's a fun tournament, you know, I'm more than fine going in with realistically one list because I only have actually one fun list. But I do have that second list to just be like, look, if you're going to come in here and try to, you know, roll over these newer players or just people who are just trying to have some fun, you know, I'm going to make sure that you're not going to have some easy win. Um, but with that said, on to my fun list is actually just uh, Eddard and Honor Guard, six Sworn Swords, and then Catelyn. Just one NCU, nothing else. Um, so it is a uh, um, whopping, let's see, six, seven, eight uh, activations, but uh, only one NCU. Um, are you guys, uh, I hear a lot of noise from both of you guys. Are you guys both working or? Yeah, I'm working. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. I'm working, but uh, I don't think I'm making a whole lot of noise. I'm trying not to. You're good. It's if you guys want to just, if you guys just want to mute until you're ready to uh, to talk, I I feel bad muting you because then I don't know when you guys like want to jump in. Um, but uh, but Brett, uh, so what are your thoughts on on my take, and then we'll go into kind of kind of how you're feeling about the uh, that event in particular. Uh, it, yeah, you know, again, if I played, I would, I would just be coaching. Um, it's, I actually genuinely enjoy watching games and, and giving people, you know, some moves or some ideas that they hadn't thought of. Um, but I, it's not a horrible idea. I think overall, you could be right that some people, you know, they, they want to bring a steamroller to an event like that. It's honestly on that one. I, it's, it's a little bit weird for me because I think some people, you know, if, especially if they're a beginner, they probably just picked up a net list or something. And then the list might look really good, but personally, overall, I would just bring, a couple of lists that, you know, I just wanted to try. They might be a little bit goofy. They might be a little bit fluffy. At the very least, they would be less than optimized. And that would be something like, you know, running Ramsey, Lead, Night's Watch, or something like that. Definitely far from optimal. Could still win and be strong. I think to an extent you want to challenge yourself to win with that subpar list. Even if someone's bringing the cheese, um, the likelihood of someone that's a seasoned veteran and somebody that's out to win bringing a list like that is slim to none. And then at the end of the day, if they were a veteran known player, you know, like um, any of us, some of the guys from LVO that finished well, um, some of the kind of meta leaders in the other parts of the U S they brought a list like that to the beginners tournament. I think that the, kind of like the, the karma and the stigma around that would be enough like to kind of punish them, quote unquote, because you never want to really truly punish anyone. But I like to give the benefit of doubt and think that everybody's going to be running something fun. So I would run 
you know, something goofy like Ramsey led Night's Watch and maybe even like Vargo Night's Watch or something just to challenge myself to play with suboptimal stuff. That makes sense. And I, I definitely, uh, you know, the more you talk about it, the more I might just uh, swap it up. Um, I just, I have this deep hatred for the those people that are like such a power gamer that they're, you know, that they're willing to ruin something like this tournament with uh, just like their crappy, uh, uh, you know, way of, uh, you know, playing. But to, I guess to put it in this term is I, I think that if it happened, there'd be only like one, maybe two people in the whole tournament that's doing that. You know what I mean? And it would be more so, I wouldn't just look at their list and just kind of be like, oh, that one looks kind of strong, so let's just do this list. It would be, you know, I'd introduce myself, I'd get a feel for, you know, if they are a more seasoned player, I'd clearly list my list as, you know, uh, you know, what they are, so my opponent doesn't look at it and go, why in the world do you have this competitive list? And that way they know that, I have that one list, and granted, that'll kind of telegraph what I'm going to pick. Um, but again, it's a fun tournament, and I could, I guess, really care less if they know what list I'm going to be playing. Um, but, uh, but I would just, you know, it's it's that backup, just in case. And yeah, the stigma um, can happen, and just like the way the community will receive you if. You know, it gets put up on on uh, Facebook that like, look who took first at the friendly tournament, and here are their lists. And it's like, oh, um, what in the world? You know, why would they run that at a front tournament? But some people just really don't care. Like they they thrive just for that win and for that you know placing high, and nothing else really matters. Uh, or you know. It might bother them at first, but they're easy, like they're uh, really good at shrugging off like a lot of that stigma, and they don't let it bother them, you know, continuously. Um, so that's kind of my mindset on it. Um, I know, I know, not everyone uh, thinks the way I do. I, I'm sure most people don't. Um, but initially, I was just going to go into the tournament with only one list and not even bother with a second list. But I was like, you know what, I might as well just use this opportunity to throw in a competitive list as a backup in case I encountered that person. And I know that it's not easy to know if that person is that person like that's going that has that intention. So literally, I would only pick that list if I knew absolutely for sure a hundred percent that this person is just going in you know for the just so to to say they got first place so um but you know what you said definitely makes sense and i might definitely reconsider just throwing in a more semi-competitive if that makes sense something that has some cool little combos but is definitely not something you would normally run at a tournament Maybe just at like your local small event, you know, eight players, something. So we'll see. Um, uh, Craig, uh, what's what's your thoughts on on the fun 
on the friendly tournament. I just can't get past the whole one NCU thing. It's uh, it's very Midwestern American of you to not run the uh, required <laughs> number of NCUs. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. But, but six sword swords, right? I, uh, they're all painted too, and uh, and Eddard's honor guard, which is technically another sworn sword, <laughs> and it's painted. How long have you been waiting to run your sworn swords that you probably bought in 2018? Uh, since 2018, I have yet to use all six, and they've been all of them have been painted since like mid 2019. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to hear the results. But, you know, I, I do agree with you guys. I don't think anyone's going to come in there um, just trying to blow this thing up. And if they do, then oh, that's on them. It's a friendly tournament. Yeah, and I, I'm sure Brett's right. They'll get, if they're if someone like that does show up, they'll get ridiculed. And, you know, it'll be pretty obvious to most people that what they're doing. Um, but, uh but you never know. Um, I would say for this game, I've never actually seen someone like that. It's more like a unicorn. I'm sure other people have like that person at their gaming group that's just never really like online or doesn't go to a, like big events or anything. But I know from my gaming group, both of your guys' gaming group, uh, and the big events I've gone to, even Gamers Haven, uh, their gaming group, um, I've never encountered like this win-at-all-costs, like the true definition of win-at-all-costs player. Um, but, you know, like I said, I only had intentions of one list, and I was like, you know what, why not, just in case somehow... Um, you know, that ends up being the case that that person's in there and I face them, then I'll have it rather than just submitting one list. But, again, I might just swap it up. Um, but what are your thoughts, uh, Craig, on, like, just the impl uh, the implementing a tournament like this uh, because we're so used to, like, these high competitive tournaments? I think it's awesome. Um, I really wish I could stay on Sunday uh, to play in it because the point of the game is to have fun and there are definitely times when the game is not fun and it's of no fault of the game at all but more our competitive nature is taking over. So getting that out of the way and just sitting back and having fun and running stuff that you want to run. Um, you know, there's so many lists I build that, well, this would be a blast, but it would also get whooped, so I'm never going to run it type of thing. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad they're putting it in there, and I do wish I could attend. What about you, Brett? What, do you, what are your thoughts on the, uh, implementing a, a friendly tournament? I, I think it's a good idea. I think, um, I think a lot of times, especially, it's definitely a good idea to have it on the last day. I think there's some degree of pressure at these events. I mean, of course, this is a hobby, and of course, this is for fun, but it, it is a tournament where everybody who's attending is paying a pretty substantial amount of money, even if they're just paying for the events and the badges. So there's money involved. You know, you're going to have fun first, but of course, you know, you want to go and do well. Of course, you want to have your shot to win. You want to be playing on top tables. So once some of that pressure is over, you know, when the, the finals are done, uh, it's, I think it's a great idea to have a day where you can sort of just kick back and relax, have no expectations, and just 
get to know people from other metas, get to know people from other groups. Um, I'm not saying that you can't play competitive and friendly at the same time because you absolutely can, but even more, you can, you know, relax a little bit more even and, and have fun. You can make goofy wagers, you know, you go for those crazy charges that you know the consequence is going to be your unit dies if you don't land it, but you're going for it anyway, because why not? And, uh, you know, if you're a person that likes to drink casually, it's, it's a good time to share a beer with your opponent and just have a good time rolling dice. You can even do goofy stuff like rolling each other's dice or whatever you want to do. There's, there's an infinite number of ways that you can play this game and make it fun. Um, you could even do something as crazy as like list swapping, like, Hey, we'll just swap lists and we'll record the game as normal, but I'll run your list. You run mine. Let's do it. You know, I just, I really <laughs> enjoy it. I think a lot of people um, lose focus of the fact that this game is actually carried and this game is successful, not because of, you know, hardcore tournament players like myself and you guys, this game is carried by the casual community. This is carried by the guys that, you know, have their friend over or have a couple of friends over and they play on the kitchen table is carried by those people because they're the ones that are, you know, buying into it and spending money to have fun. There's not enough of a hardcore scene to carry this game. And I've, I've seen that with, with other games that are specifically designed and specifically geared towards competitive play. There's just not enough casual players to carry the game. You have to have the people that are there for fun. And those guys are the actual MVPs of this community. It's not the guys who win tournaments all the time. It's the guy who comes just to have fun. And uh, we've got one of those guys, uh, Tony Wyckoff. I think we've even had him on the show. He has showed up with this beautifully painted Baratheon army every event, no matter what. He doesn't care how bad they are or how good they are. He just shows up. He's always the nicest and funnest guy to play. Um, you know, and it's, it's guys like that, that, that keep this game ticking. If everybody was a hardcore jerk like me, you know, it wouldn't be, the game would just die off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, so anyone that went to or remembers Adepticon 2019, um, let's see, they first, uh, so on Thursday they had, uh, a beginner's tournament, um, and so I think that's a, a great distinction with this tournament. And I understand why, you know, kind of the difference is um, back then, you know, the game had pretty much just released. So beginner tournament, you know, there was a lot of beginners. I mean, pretty much everyone was, te I feel like, technically a beginner. I had never played in a tournament, so that's why I entered it. Um, and uh, for that one, you know, it, it's along the same lines. You know, beginner tournament, friendly tournament, it's it's roughly the same thing. Um, but I do like the implication of this one being a friendly tournament. It's kind of more welcoming to all players, but kind of telling you from the get-go, hey, you know, make sure that you're not going hardcore for this one. You know, it's, it's just supposed to be a, f a friendly, you know, fun tournament. Um, uh, but also 2019, let's see, they had the, – also the difference was Friday and Saturday were both qualifiers to play on Sunday. So even though that was kind of cool back then, I definitely like this year much better because you have four distinctive different tournaments 
Whereas back then, you didn't even if you didn't qualify either day, which there was only three uh, three spots on each day. <clears throat> so if you didn't get one of those six spots, you didn't get to play on Sunday. Now you know. I know not everyone can do the stretch of all four days, but at least gives you the option, which I think is amazing. Um, and then, as, especially you know, implementing the team tournament, which we'll get to in a minute. So, um, definitely excited for this one. Uh, if it wasn't already obvious, I'm playing Starks for this one. Um, I, I tried so hard to get my Greyjoys painted so that I could then start on my Baratheons because uh, the next tournament I wanted to talk about was the 55-point tournament, and that's one um, I really wanted to do a 55-point Baratheon army. My goal was actually to run a different army for every tournament, but just so much going on. I, I'm actually struggling to get uh, what I need painted um, just for my Greyjoys for uh, some of these other events. But for the 55-point tournament, let's see. Let me find that one. All right, it's called Fist of the First Men Tournament. 55 points, um, two li different lists, uh, and it's that's about it. Like, it's it's your normal tournament, but at 55 points. Uh, a 4x6 board, um, so that's definitely, you know, it's it's a much bigger board. Something to keep in mind, because I know way back when um, uh, Family Time Games did a 50-point tournament on a 4x6, and Calvary just ruined everyone's day. Just, in my, in my very strong opinion, uh, you need 4x... X, which X is, uh, you know, one foot for every 10 points. So 40 points, 4 by 4. Uh, 50 points, 4 by 5. 60 points, 4 by 6. So this one is kind of in between 55 and 60, so it should be fine. Um, but I know playing like 50 points on 4 by 6, Calvary just rules the day. There's just so much space on the board at only 50 points that Calvary just they just get way more bang for their buck. Um, with that said, this being 55 points, um, you can definitely get a lot out there, especially, you know, uh, with all the factions that have such cheap units. Um, I'm super excited for this one. Uh, this one I'm taking as more of a, a fun tournament as well. You know, 55 points, everyone kind of knows that, like, 40 points is what's played, you know, probably 90% of the time, if not more. Um, and so this one I'm kind of treating as like more of a fun, you know, semi-competitive uh, tournament. So one of my lists is, uh, is super fun. Um, it literally is, uh, uh, I'm running Greyjoys, and I'm literally just running one of every unit uh, plus a Hedge Knight. So I'm doing... Um, is it one Silenceman, one uh, Iron Maker, one um, Black Tide Chosen, one Reapers, one Reavers, one Trapper, one Bowman, one Hedge Knight, and then I'm doing like Eric and Wendemir, so the NCUs will still be pretty competitive, um, but I'm just straight up just wanting to show off each unit and their and my uh, paint scheme on them. Um, I'm running Balon Commander mostly because uh, I'm sticking him with the Iron Makers because I feel like um, 
I just like him much better than Asha Commander, and uh, he makes the Iron Makers. Uh, um, he complements them pretty good uh, because I don't have point. I literally don't have any more points to put any attachments. So I knew the one unit that I felt needed an attachment out of all of them was the uh, the Iron Makers, and then really for me it came down to Asha or Balon, and I just I like Balon way more. Um, especially with the uh, acceptable sacrifices, I can give out some more buffs, uh, morale buffs. Um, my second list is a lot more competitive, uh, but again, that that's just because, you know, it is more of a semi-competitive uh, tournament for me. Um, I don't want to completely get blown off the table, but um, this one definitely should be really fun. Um, Craig, I know you can't make this one either, right? What, uh, what are your thoughts, though, on, on this larger tournament? I like big point games. We do them locally sometimes just, just for fun. And it, it's really cool to see these bigger armies spread out across the table. So, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Um, and you mentioned Calvary rule in the day, but I wasn't aware that they didn't always rule the day, no matter the size of the table. But we'll agree to disagree on that one. Uh, yeah, overall, it looks like fun. They all look like fun. <laughs> um, it's more so just there's so much space to cover. Usually, Calvary are the only ones that, like, if everything starts dying on one side of the table and you're on the other side, it takes so many turns to get over there if you're not, like, a faction with a bunch of, like, movement tricks that um, you just pretty much just stay put, whereas the Calvary can, like maneuver march and then basically be in the fight um again that's that's really all i mean by it is oh i know you know it's not um because i definitely i faced uh when we did that 50 point tournament i faced what was it it was like uh four knights of castle rock and uh and the mountain that rides um and then what else? Oh, and then High Sparrow because it was an NCU commander. <laughs> and then uh, then two other NCUs or something like that. It was uh, – I looked at it, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. But fortunately, I was able to pull that one off. But, um, Brett, uh, what, uh, what's your thoughts on this one? You're doing this one, right? What uh, faction are you going to play for this one? Uh, I only have one faction that's uh, painted, and given the uh, given the fact that painting, not necessarily that you have to have your army painted, but with paint scores being wrapped into like your final score, I definitely want to play something painted. So it's Night's Watch. They're all painted. Um, I am playing Night's Watch in this event, but it's not what I wanted to play coming from like the competitive standpoint. I think that you know, in line with what you were saying, um, the, the cab armies are going to be so hard to manage. Um, and at 55 points, you, you open up the door for some, some army builds that are just going to be so hard to deal with. Like you can see, you know, three champions of the stag, four champions of the stag. And I know that you don't have the tactics board to sustain all of them. You know, that's why, 40 points is kind of the sweet spot for this game because at 40 points you've got, you know, typically four to five combat units. 
a limited number of cards, a limited number of tactics board moves to heal and stuff. But if you've got a unit like Champions of the Stag that don't necessarily need support to do what they do, that's going to be a nightmare. Um, and all Dothraki Targaryen army is going to be a nightmare. Um, I fully expect that I'm going to lose probably multiple games running Night's Watch because <laughs> the, ca- the cavalry that I can bring is it's just not going to line up and go toe-to-toe with some of these other cav units. Uh, certainly not, you know, two, two, three Knights Castle Rock, two, three Tully Cav. Um, I know people complain about Night's Watch and they have cards and durability, but if you've got three units of Lance Cav and my best defense save is a four plus, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty ugly. Uh, so um, that's what I'm running, but I, I fully expect somebody that's running a ton of cab, excuse me, a ton of cab to have a clear advantage uh, in this particular event. Not to mention uh, area of, uh, like, aura effects, you know, are less effective, you know, for, well, let's just say, conscripts healing at long range. You know, you got this big board, and now those uh, landscaps are going to be able to isolate certain units that are not within range of a conscript. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you can run a bunch of conscripts uh, to kind of help with that, but um, but still, I mean, unless you're going to run like three conscripts, something somewhere is probably going to be vulnerable to being hit and not being able to heal all that great. Yeah, it's that, and uh, you also take into consideration, um, like, Asha Commander, Mance Commander, only having a short-range bubble with a, be- with a, a board that big, it's going to be pretty... Those, those are not going to be the optimal lists. Um, I think it would be a great opportunity for a Free Folk player to just run mag. Like, mag at 55 points, like, you can do a lot with a mag list at that point. You can get your three or four monsters in there, and then you can squeeze in some regular troops as well. Uh, it would be pretty nasty. That's actually what I was going to play for the 55 point um, before I moved on to Baratheons. Uh, when I was thinking about one um, faction for every day, I was going to do, initially it was Free Folk for the tw- uh, 55 um, the team tournament, I was going to run Greyjoys. Uh, the main event, I was going to run Baratheons. And then the fun tournament, I was going to run Starks. And I had this plan. I just I couldn't get anything painted in time. So then I dropped. That's when I dropped off the Free Folk. And I was like, okay, I'll put Baratheons in that slot. I'll see if maybe I can fit like an all neutral somewhere. And then and then it just slowly <laughs> kept getting backed up so much that now I'm actually running uh, Greyjoys for three of the four, unfortunately. Um, I could probably squeeze something somewhere, but I just feel like it wouldn't be optimal. For example, my Baratheons are, like, half-painted, but um, I'm missing, like, all, a lot of the key units, um, like a lot of the R'hllor stuff. I only have, like, one Faithful painted and none of the other stuff painted. Uh, and l- much like you were saying, Brett, I even though it's not required, uh, because it is factored into the score, um, in that, and I just, I like running fully painted armies at any large event. My local event, I don't really care, you know, 
mostly because I try to just run whatever faction is not being run that day to kind of add some diversity to to the tournament. But uh, but for larger events, I almost make it a point to have my fa- uh, my army 100% done. Um, so unfortunately, with that said, that's that's why I'm running so much Greyjoy. I was actually really looking forward to running a different faction every every uh, tournament, but. The 55 point, um, it will be interesting. It's it's out of the realm of a lot of people's, uh, I would say, comfort zone, and only because it's something they're not. Most people aren't used to. You know, I'm sure they've a uh, handful of people played a couple, but even after only playing a couple, a lot of times it's still, you know, trying to figure out what's optimal. Um, like you were saying about Mag, I actually was gonna run. Mag was like my first choice for the free folk when I was going to run them because I was like, you know what? Mag is such an expensive uh, list. This would be a perfect opportunity. Like you were kind of mentioning to finally see what it feels like to have a fully optimal mag list. Um, But, uh, but well, you know, we'll have to see, uh, see what kind of, comes of that tournament we'll definitely be covering we'll be covering all four tournaments in the post game show we might even have to make it two episodes just because you know uh, a pre-game is much uh easier to kind of cover because um, it's more vague kind of just going over what to expect whereas the post game is going to be you know there's going to be a lot more details that uh, we'll have to uh, incorporate into the show so um Brett, was there anything else you wanted to add for the 55 point? I think you're uh, muted. Did you, uh, oh, sorry, didn't even notice you had to uh, step away for a second. So, um, so with that said, we'll, we'll jump back over to 55 if, uh, if you have something you wanted to add. Uh, but we're going to jump over to uh, the team tournament. So team tournament's super interesting. Um, uh, Brett is uh, Brett and myself are both in the team tournament, not together, because um, I wouldn't want to play with his filthy Night's Watch, anyways. Um, but uh, I believe it, it's Brett and John Hurley. I know uh, he's been on the show a couple times, and then uh, he, his name has been tossed around here and there. And uh, a handful of you that listen uh, have met him in person, uh, and then myself, I am teamed up with uh, Spencer from the show. So uh, don't want to give away uh, this list in particular. I want this one to kind of be a surprise, so we'll definitely cover it in the post game. Um, But as I was mentioning, it's 25 points a person, and you do have one flex point, meaning one player could have 26 and if the other person has 24 and vice versa, um, which is a nice little addition. Uh, because 25 points being so low, sometimes it kind of get hard to make the points work without just randomly adding in something you didn't really want to add in. Um, I can say uh, for mine and Spencer's list, uh, one of ours is 26 and the other's is 24, so it definitely helped us out. Um, there is only one list for this uh, tournament, so whatever you make is what you make. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what combos happen, because as you can imagine, you know, uh, each each uh, 
team has to have two different factions. So you can't, you know, just do Baratheon and Baratheon. You know, you you have to pick two different factions. And then also, if one player is all neutral, their teammate can't have any neutral. And so to think of it this way is the reason being is if uh, 25 plus 25 is a 50-point total army, essentially, if you're neutrals, then, well, you have 25 points in neutrals, that means you're at 50%. So I know some people disagree with that and think that, well, that's their faction, they have to do that, and um, the other person should be able to run um, up to, you know, 25%, but uh, I think it, it's fine. It, again, this team tournament is still going to be more of a semi-competitive, fun tournament. You know, you got four players all just hanging out, you know, having a good time, and, uh, you know, th- some of the combos can get pretty wacky. Uh, what was I testing. So I did some test games against mine and Spencer's list and running Starks and uh, Starks and Free Folk together and using Sansa to constantly go and get uh, uh, what's that card? Uh, look it up right now. So you go and get um, Wildling Diplomacy over and over and over just every single round with Sansa. Um, another one is the long plan to continuously Sansa for the long plan because you can, um, uh, granted you're going to have to hope or kind of hope your opponent has the mail, but if they do, you can literally just Sansa activate, take a zone, replace it, get the long plan. And if you're end of that very same turn, use it, go search for any one tax card in your deck and, uh, for your tactics deck, it's one of every card mixed with one of every card of your opponent. So you literally have, unless with some few exceptions, you literally have 20 different cards. Um, now you might have like duplicate uh, swift reposition from like uh, what Starks and Targaryen um, or uh, Assault Orders or something, but more often than not, it's going to be like 20 different cards. So the ability to go get any one card from your deck is really strong. Um, so that's just like one example of very like a ton of things where you can have some really goofy uh, unintended combos. Um, but again, that's why it's it's not necessarily this big super competitive tournament. Uh, there's definitely a lot a lot more. Uh, like friendly, fun uh, things implemented into it. Uh, Brett, we'll start with you. What uh, what are your thoughts on this tournament and some of the crazy combos? Yeah, this is you. You definitely have to treat this as a fun tournament because that's what it is. Um, going into it and you know having this mindset that it's going to be like a normal game you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment you have to understand that there's going to be super wonky ridiculously crazy stuff that was never meant to be mixed together um i know we're not doing it but i was uh i was discussing some of the disgusting combo potential that can happen when you mix some of these factions and cards together like for example you can take um Take, you take Free Folk and Night's Watch. 
you activate like Steyr, you go to the swords, you play coordinated tactics before you do that, you borrow charging volley from the spearwhites. So the ranger hunters can shoot, they can charge, they can retreat, and they can shoot again. And this is all off of one, you know, it's three attacks off of one zone claim. Um, stuff like that is kind of ridiculous. It, it, it can happen. You have to understand and be aware that it can happen. And if it does, you know, if somebody's brought an optimized combo like that, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> at least it can't happen in a normal game. But you have to expect things like that to happen. Um, just can't get frustrated about it. You just got to kind of move on and say, hey, that's broken tech. But the the down the other half of that is, you know, when you're running a split deck, if you build a combo like that, specifically hoping for that one card or hoping for that one interaction, there's a possibility since there aren't duplicates of cards that, you know, you're waiting for uh, coordination tactics and maybe you don't draw it because there's not two of them in your deck. Or, you know, like what you're saying, maybe you don't ever draw the long plan to go get diplomacy. Maybe diplomacy's buried, and so Sansa can't do what Sansa wants to do. It's a risk, so you've got to keep that in mind that, you know, if somebody goes all in for some really disgusting combo, you can't be too upset if they pull that combo off. Um, outside yeah. of that, Hurley and I went with something... We didn't go for crazy, ridiculous combos. We just went with something that we think is pretty good overall. It's got a lot of synergy within itself that doesn't rely on tactics cards. If we get certain cards in certain situations, like, awesome, it'll be great. But the list, we designed it to function without specifically hinging on, like, one card or one card combo because, again, the likelihood of making that happen is slim to none, so... Yeah, uh, me and Spencer, we mulled over a lot of different uh, ideas, and you know, we finally kind of came down to a couple lists. And um, you know, it's hard. It's always hard to again gauge how strong something's going to be for something this kind of, I say, goofy in a, in a good way, um, not as like uh, to put the tournament down because I always enjoy, thoroughly enjoy the team tournaments but you know they are they are simply kind of that they're goofy you know you have these goofy combos you have these goofy interactions that you know usually at least once a tournament if not multiple times a tournament like a combo will happen that no, none of the four players even like thought about, and then it just pops up, and then it's like, oh man, that really works that way. Um, so uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. Um, I can't wait for can't wait for this one as well. Uh, Craig, I know you won't be at this one, but uh, what are your kind of thoughts? I know, have you done a team tournament at Family Time Games before? No, I haven't. I watched a couple of games, though, the night before a regular tournament, and it was it was definitely interesting. Um, it was back in 1.6 when the Targaryens only had a starter box, and but they had, someone had Starks and Targaryens they were running together at the time, which... The combos were because all the movement shenanigans the Targaryens had plus the Starks. <laughs> it was it was fun to watch. But I would like to be a fly on the wall for this one as well. Um, 
because of the wacky combinations, uh, for one reason, you know, you can see some pretty pretty goofy stuff happen. But the other reason is we're all very competitive people, even if we're just trying to have fun. So seeing partners and how they play together, you know, two strong personalities with two different ideas, uh, maybe it doesn't go their way, um, to see whether they stay together, fall apart type of thing. Um, another big part of this game is the mind games. So to see people try to get other partners pissed off at each other and stuff like that, I think would be interesting <laughs> to watch. Oh yeah. Totally. You know, I could see a lot of yelling, particularly at me going on, you know, cause no one likes me. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I mean, all of these tournaments, uh, you know, granted, you know, in the next one, the, la- the last one we'll talk about, it's really straightforward, but these, the two prior and then this one are all, you know, definitely out of a lot of people's wheelhouse and, you know, time to just play the game, let alone, like, thoroughly test, you know, a bunch of 55-point games and team team list games and, you know, try to think of something that's fun that also isn't, like, you know, somehow, like, low-key, like, super competitive. Uh, You know, most people just don't have that time. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see what people come with on the fly, come up with on the fly. Um kind of like I was this mentioning is, uh, you know, me and Spencer didn't have any time to test our team tournament so, list, so I actually had to just, uh, I I uh, enlisted my nephew uh, who plays Night's Watch, and I was like, here's a, here's a Free Folk and Stark team list. You're going to use it against my team list. And then I, I created a Stark and Targaryen one. And I was like, you're going to run this one next. And that was about all the testing I got. I got two games of testing. And it was more so just to kind of test out um, how the flow and the feel of the tactics deck um, and also the just the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the spatial difference on the board for it being a four by six. And again, this is going back to what I was talking about. This is a 50 point game essentially, you know, on each side. And so a four by six is, it's really big for only 50 points. I was really hoping that when I saw the um, team tournament that it was going to be uh, a four by five, but you know, it is what it is. Again, it's, it's not, not it's not really meant to be insanely competitive, so we'll just have to make do. Um, you know, some factions will definitely uh, have a little advantage for the bigger board, um, especially depending on what missions end up getting rolled up, because as far as I'm aware, all four tournaments are completely random missions from anything that can be, that's in the rule book. Now I'm assuming this mean doesn't mean... Um, uh, uh, Storm of Swords, you know, the scenario mission. I'm assuming it was meant to mean not that one, but uh, but all the others are options, as far as I'm aware. So even uh, Dark Wings, Dark Words, um, you know, all of them. So, and a big one would be uh, um, either Honed and Ready or Game of Thrones. When you have five objectives that far away, 
at 50 points, I mean, it it really makes the battle super interesting. We'll put it at that. Uh, but, you know, it it could be also it could be really boring, you know, depending on how many units someone runs. But another thing I guess I wanted to point out that kind of ties in with the 55.1 is you'd be surprised at how much less impactful the tactics board is at that high of a point limit. I would, not, I would say this is more true for 55 points than it is for 50, but that's why, like, one of my two 55-point lists is still only two NCUs. Um, and that's just because um, there's just a lot, you know, that that very last spot is very, it's not very impactful. I'd rather just have a whole other unit to help me cover this huge 4x6 board. Now, granted, I, my other list is three NCUs, so it's not to say that, you know, three NCUs is a bad idea. It's just to say that, you know, I feel like it's just a, a little bit more of a nod towards, you know, running two NCUs. Um, so, uh, what was it, uh, Brett, are you still there? All right, he must still be on his call. Um, so, Craig, uh, so before we go on to the the last uh, tournament, what's what's your overall thoughts? Like, is there anything else about these three tournaments that kind of piques your interest, or something that we haven't really uh, discussed about them? And not really. They're just all so different, and I think that's awesome. Um, I think an, an event as big as Adepticon throwing in these events that are also different um, is, is probably a great benefit to the health of the game. So I'm really happy it's happening. Um, again, I wish I could actually attend these events, but I look forward to hearing about them. Yeah, and I can't wait to cover them, uh, let alone playing them. But, uh, you know, I definitely want to, if possible, get all of the top players that, you know, finish, maybe not all of them, but because um, if we're planning to do like two two tournaments a show, it could be a lot of people. So maybe like first and second place for each tournament because um, that's still like four people plus like two hosts. Um, it could get pretty hectic, but as long as we, uh, we format it right and kind of speed people through their, uh, you know, kind of their rundown of their lists and, who they played, uh, it's possible. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but again, uh, while we wait for Brett, let me see. He's having trouble with his mic. Um, Brett, you there? All right, so while we wait for Brett, I do want to go back to talk about the, the giveaway. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong. I want to go out just off the top of my head. I believe I have a Baratheon starter, a Free Folk starter, um, and a Greyjoy starter. The difference with the Greyjoy, though, is this is back when they first came out. I bought three of them. I opened two completely for myself. The third one, I literally just took the Reapers out. 
But what I did to replace them, because Reapers hadn't uh, come out with a box yet, I went and bought an extra Iron Maker and threw that into the starter. So if you if to be, uh, if you ask me, um, it's actually better than a normal starter because I think the Iron Makers just mesh with the starter way better than the Reapers do, uh, because you got Asha as a commander in there, uh, and she goes perfectly in the Iron Makers. Um, so. So you'll get the Bowman, the two Reavers, and an Iron Maker, and then all the, the normal commanders and NCUs and whatnot. So, um, and then I do I could be wrong, but I do believe that worst case, if you didn't want any of those, I do have a uh, which from I do have a Stark and or a Lannister uh, half of a starter box. I don't have the the new ones, um, so. Those will kind of be your options, or worst case, uh, I would be willing to let you pick like one or two like unit boxes from my stash if like none of those factions uh, appeal to you. Um, let's see, uh, Brett, uh, are you are you there? Yeah, I'm here. It's going to be a real fun ride. I am on hold with insurance, <laughs> so unfortunately, you're going to hear like the insurance hold music. I've got life stuff going on. Um, I was actually <laughs> in a wreck uh, Saturday night or Sunday night, one or the other. Uh, some girl ran a, a stoplight, a stop and she just plowed into me doing like 50. So I actually didn't even work yesterday. So I'm trying to sort that out with insurance. And then on top of that, my roof decided to leak. So I've got a simultaneous oh, home man. plane going. So, yeah, it's been real fun, right? You know, like a death on me. It's like, hey – have a severe, horrible car, <laughs> and a really you're gonna bad come sleep. home. You're gonna come home to a indoor pool. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in trouble anyway because I it was Susie's car that got hit. I jumped in the car oh, to man. grab something for Eris. I had to go grab Eris something, you know, late night at Walmart, and I don't know. It was like this really young girl. She couldn't have been 16, 17. She just went right through a red light. I had a green arrow, and she just, I mean, she smoked that car. You've seen Susie's car. It's an Audi C7. It's a big uh, She totaled it. I mean, she wiped me out. She hit me so hard oh, man. that she pushed, she pushed me two lanes over. So, yeah, it was fun. Wow. Yeah. I'm guessing. So, Are you all right, though? Music? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I, got, I think I got a little bit of whiplash in, like, my... It strained my back pretty badly because I had slammed on my brakes because I saw her coming, but she didn't even try to stop. So, man, it was bad. But whatever. Um, you'll hear the whole music. You'll have to. <laughs> so, what's your your thoughts though? Uh, as we recap the team tournament, the um, the fifty five and the friendly. I mean, yeah, they're both going to be on a six by four, so. Uh, the table's maybe a little bit too big, um, it's, but it's different, you know. And, and overall, the team tournament especially, like, again, I'll just reiterate, you've got to go into it, like, with a positive attitude, and you just want to have fun. You and your partner want to have fun. This is like a high-five uh, energy builder, and you just can't get frustrated about the other combos that people have. It's almost guaranteed that at some point throughout that, you're going to get hit by something and you're going to be thinking in your head like, man, this is so overpowered. But then you have to like bring yourself back to earth and check yourself and think like, yeah, because these combinations are impossible. So 
you know, you can't, you just can't get frustrated about it. That's the big thing. Yeah, it's, uh, and I was trying to find some of the, like, the crazy combos just to see, and there's just so many, um, and you got to also see, you know, because you can't put your attachments in your opponent's units and vice versa, so it's not like you have those combos you have to worry about, but just the interactions between, like, the auras the aura effects and or the tactics cards really, or the the NCU like influence effects or whatnot. Um, though another thing to keep uh, an important note of um, for anyone that might be going or maybe that might want to try the team tournament style out, definitely read your the rules like thoroughly. If if it says um, I'll use uh, Blind Baron as an example. He specifically says he can only influence Greyjoy units. And there's actually quite a bit of, uh, of stuff out there that will call out something very specific that you never really think about because you're just running it in one faction. Um, you know, granted, you know, you can run neutrals in Greyjoys and he still couldn't influence them, but it's it's just still one of those things that you're not necessarily necessarily all the time thinking of um another one would be you know the night's watch uh i believe almost every single one of their attached cards says like you can get the initial effect for your opponent's units or for neutral units but the attach part well they'll the card will only attach if it's a night's watch unit so um just something to keep in mind, especially for anyone that might be going. I hate for them to, like, build their, you know, kind of a combo or, like, armies to complement each other just to find out, you know, something like that would be the case. Another one would be uh, Free Folk, Endless Horde, uh, specifically calls out a Free Folk infantry unit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, um, you know, you can't Sansa endless horde over and over to get any unit back now you could sansa endless horde over and over and constantly get you know a raider unit or just a previously destroyed uh free folk infantry unit um which could be pretty funny if you somehow six rounds of uh of endless horde <laughs> um but you know with that said kind of you know kind of ran through the the team tournament combo craziness enough and we can kind of jump into the last tournament and that is the the main championship event um uh, let me find where it is yeah the adepticon championship tournament um very straightforward it's your standard 40 point event um two different lists uh four by four board um tournament or uh i'll go through like some of the other stuff a lot of the stuff i'm going i'll go through is actually pretty much for every tournament but uh, i fear since this one's straightforward that's i can jump into some of the um specifics so terrain um one player will roll a die um the player will choose a d3 plus two um randomized uh pool from page 26 of the rule book players alternate rolling the 2d6 so it's random terrain um no uh, no more than two of the same piece 
Um, so if you get a third of that type, you'd re-roll. Um, let's see here. Um, there is a appearance uh, scoring. Um, all models having paint on them, at least three colors, uh, based in a consistent manner. Uh, basing matches the movement trays. Um, Army has a consistent color theme. Army contains advanced painting techniques, and the Army is spectacular. These are, this isn't a requirement, like, you need all of these to, like, have it be painted. These are just, like, uh, will rate how good your painting score will be. Um, so, you know, like, I think there might be, like, one point for every, I don't know exactly how it is, but there'll be, like, a score sheet and you'll get like, I don't know, I'm assuming like one point for every category that applies. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, Brett, uh, all four tournaments are giving out uh, um, invites for the the uh, qualified uh, for the CIMON tournament. I think you might have uh, had to answer the insurance. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's I what that's I was told. that's true, yeah. Yeah, I read it somewhere. Um, so now that's important to note because I believe it's the top four of each tournament. So you're looking at um, first, second, third, fourth. Um, the team tournament, though, it might just be first and second place because there's two teammates each. I could be wrong. Um, I'm just assuming, though, that with a team tournament, you're probably only looking at, like, 12 teams. And to give a third of them, you know, if you did top four, all invites, that'd be kind of crazy. So, um, but it is possible. Um but with that said, it is first, second, third, fourth. And the important thing to note for that is um, uh, placing, like, as far as, like, getting awards for the tournament, like, you know, for, like, swag or, you know, just, like, uh, the prize support, it's given out as best general, best overall, best sportsman, and best appearance. So you're going to get... Uh, awards based on appearance, so best painted, essentially, best sportsmanship. Best general is literally only game points. So, um, you know, uh, doesn't factor anything else, just your game points. Uh, and best overall is factoring everything. Uh, now, if you wanted to put it in, like, um, <clears throat> in some sort of, like, uh, importance, Obviously, best overall is like taking first place. Um, but it is possible to not take first place in the tournament and get best overall because let's say the opponent who got first um, was a really crappy player to play against and had a completely unpainted army. You know, they're going to probably get best general, but they're definitely not going to get best overall. So... This is something that Adepticon has pretty much always done for most of their tournaments, for most game systems, but not all. Uh, I know 40K, for as long as I can remember, has always done it that way. I'm sure, um, I'm sure, possibly at one point they didn't, but I like this way. Uh, I like it, it awards everyone, 
you know, it awards the sportsmanship, it awards the painting aspect, it awards the player aspect, um, like for the skills, and then it awards someone who wants to jump into all of it and be amazing at all the categories. So, but again, that is different than the invites. The invites are going to first, second, third, and fourth, um, not necessarily the best uh, sportsman painted um, general and overall. So, um, let's see. Uh, again, game modes. Um, it says game modes will be spe specified with the posting of table assignments for each round to be prepared for any game mode specified in the game modes of 2021 PDF. I'm pretty sure Storm Swords is in there, but I... I can't imagine that would be in a tournament. Um, let's see. Looking at the uh, scoring sheet, you got your basic, uh, you know, the table you're on, your opponent, win-loss, victory points, opponent, victory points, secondary points, and unit points earned. Um, let's see. Uh, they also have a sportsmanship um, scoring part, um, see the table below at the end of the game privately, uh, you would check off my opponent and I were able to start the specified at the specified, uh, start time. My opponent played in a fair and consistent manner. My opponent clearly explained any rules I was unfamiliar with and played at a consistent pace and I had no disagreements on measuring or dice handling, I would enjoy playing this opponent again. Um, and then uh, you would just give an X on each of those uh, five categories that you would apply. And I'm guessing, again, kind of like the painting score, it's uh, similar in the sense that you get one point for every box that's checked. Um, and again, this goes towards uh, essentially the sportsmanship part would go towards best sportsman and they would also go towards uh, best overall. Now another thing to keep in mind all four of those will be given to four people as long as it's like it's been in the past. Um, so if you have best overall you're not going to also get best painted and or best uh, general or uh, best general or best uh, um, painted or sportsman. I forget which one I said. <laughs> um, it'll be grandfathered down. So let's say best overall was also the best painted. Uh, best painted will go to um, second second best painted. Um, now this could be, they could do it different, but normally they want to kind of spread the, spread the wealth, essentially kind of give out the, um, you know, no point in having a best overall if you're just going to then also give them the other awards, if that makes sense. <clears throat> Um, let's see. Uh, Brett, uh, are you back with us? Come on, Brett. Uh, uh, he's he's Brett, having so. a string of bad luck. Brett, Brett's yeah, having a string of bad luck that I kind of hope carries into this weekend. But oh uh, yeah, you know we'll pray for oh, him. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm looking at the chat. Uh, so those that are listening, he's uh, he's dropping, you know, toolboxes and tools are falling all over the place, and you know things are probably hitting him in the head, trying to, you know, make him more smart. 
but you know, <laughs> uh, Craig, uh, what's your thoughts on like the system and how, you know, you got first, first through fourth for the qualified spots, but then also the, these other, um, ways of, you know, best sportsmen and, and so on. That's how most tournaments have been that I've been to in the last uh, couple of years. So it, it's it's a tried and true system that works. Um, it gives people, you know, if their day just isn't going right, it gives them something else to strive for, you know, so they're not just down and out. So I think it's, it's probably the best way to do it. I agree. And, you know, it's always cool when you see that uh, that prize for, like, last place, you know, um, it's, I know a lot of people, it's, it's kind of one of those like funny little things, but it's still, it's still nice to have because the, one of the worst feelings I know for a lot of people is all this money to do a tournament and then feeling like you just gave your money away. You know, if, if you're not one of those super competitive players and I know we all, we all play for the fun, you know, having a good time, but there's sometimes, you know, you might just feel like, oh, I wish I would have just played some pickup games or something. Um, you know, giving the people a reason to finish the tournament out uh, and giving out kind of kind of consolation prizes uh, is always an awesome thing. You know, it's it's not like we're some like professional sport. You know, uh, like football or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, this is just a fun hobby and. Uh, it's always nice to kind of see those things. Another award I think is really cool that I like seeing is uh, best best in sports, and that's like best in, in in this game in particular. It'd be like best in faction, or if you played um, another game where it's not necessarily called a faction, it would be best in um, uh, you know style or best in you know, color or whatever um, that game uses as it's, uh, you know, to differentiate what uh, what you're playing. So I always like seeing those. It gives, you know, some of the factions that aren't as good a reason to kind of try to, you know, sometimes people are like, you know what, I'm not the greatest at this game. I know I'm not going to get first place, but, you know, I love uh, neutrals. And they're probably considered like the worst faction right now. Not that there's this horrible faction that can't ever win, but they're considered to be the worst um, just by a, a small margin, in my opinion. Um, and it gives you a reason to go, you know what, I'm going to run that faction and I'm just going to, my goal is going to do the best I can, but possibly get the best in faction award uh, now, granted, if you pick, like, the worst faction, you know, you might only really be competing against, like, two other people. But still, it's something to strive for, and it's it's, it's a nice little, uh, you know, prize to give out. Um, whenever I can, uh, I always try to implement that one because it also encourages, like, diversity in, in factions because... The last thing you want to see when you go to look at a report of a tournament that you didn't get to go to is, oh, great, 90% this faction, you know, 9% this faction, 
and then all the other factions shared one percent or something. You know, uh, whereas you know doing best in faction can often lead to a very diverse uh, player or faction pool in this case. Um, let's see. So, with that said, we can kind of start to wrap up. Uh, Brett, if you want to jump in at any time, I know you're probably. You know, I'm super excited for this event. Uh, I go, you know, to Adepticon every year, at least every year that they have Adepticon, and we we haven't had it in a couple years, so um, it'll be definitely really nice to get back into things because uh, they didn't do it 2020 or 2021. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, I go every day from start to finish. Uh, for example, Wednesdays are kind of like the setup day, and then at night you can go get your ticket early. Um, I usually go like super early in the morning, like 8 in the morning or like 7 in the morning. At least for me, that's super early. I know Craig is probably like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but uh, I go usually go pretty early in the morning and help set up just, uh, you know, 2019 I did it and they gave me like credit for helping but you know I never really go with the expectation to get credit or anything in return just want to help them set out kind of get an idea of where I'm going you know possibly see some people there which is always cool um, and I'm usually there from open to close on Wednesday and then again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm there from pretty much open to close every day. Um, and the cool part is, even though the main hall might close, uh, they have open tables. Uh, and the main hall doesn't close till midnight. They have some extra tables uh, for, like, pickup games that are in, like, the, the lobby-type area. Um, and those are open up. Uh, those are free to play all night and day. You know, so literally if you are a robot and don't need to sleep, you could literally just be playing games for 24-7, you know, um, and it's always a great experience. So for those that didn't get a chance to go this year um, that aren't going, that wanted to, or those that didn't really know about the tournament, uh, they do it pretty much every year, and I, I'm assuming that they'll probably do it every year from here on out. Uh, <clears throat> you know, definitely think about making some plans to come to the next one. Uh, it's definitely an amazing time. Uh, Craig, uh, do you have any like final thoughts or maybe just, uh, you know, or I guess I should uh, ask you, what, uh, what do you plan to bring for the main event? You should ask me. But I think this is uh, going to be one of the more interesting tournaments that we've had in a while. Uh, reason being, in the past, there's always been one or two factions that is, you know, head and shoulders above the rest, and usually by a fairly wide margin, um, so you know what to tech for. For example, uh, last year it was tech for Night's Watch and Awful, and then it be, when the Blood Riders came out, it was make sure you tech for Drogo, and now it's like, okay, do I tech for Baratheons, or do I tech for Starks, or do I tech for Drogo? Or do I tech for Nightwatch? I don't know. Because it, it's like playing rock, paper, scissors. And I think, at least to me, it feels like this is the first time when it's truly when there's truly been that level of parity. Yes, there's some things that do still stand out above other things, but the, the gap is not what it was. So I think there's going to be a wider, um, 
a, a different number of um, a, a better spread of factions than there has been in the past. Um, you know, you had tournaments in 1.6, it was like, okay, well, out of every 10 players, seven of them are running Sarks. Or last year, out of every 10 players, seven of them are running Night Watch, Night's Watch. Now, it, I think it's going to be a great mix of everything, and I'm really not really sure how to build a list yet. I'm still kind of trying to figure that out, back and forth between Starks and uh, um, Targaryens and Greyjoys. I don't know, because each one of them has a hard counter from another faction that I may or may not see. So, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a good way to put it. I. I've been finding myself building, when it comes to wanting to build a list for, like, a big event, you know, something like this, I find myself more and more not even really trying to, like, currently with the new update, not even really trying to tech towards anyone's list and just building the best list for me. You know, because even with a two-list format, I try to cover my bases, you know, obviously with, like, missions, but as far as, like, what I might face, Especially if you're not playing TTS. You know, TTS, in my opinion, is a little more predictable because, you know, it's, and that's just natural. You know, it's it's a lot easier for when you have the whole world as your player pool than, you know, whoever can make the trip to this convention. So when it comes to, like, this convention, it's a lot less predictable. You know, you have just these random casual players coming, you know, to a convention they love. Then you have some more competitive players come from far away or, you know, medium distance. And so because you can't really tech for, um, you know, what faction or even style uh, of the faction will bring, I feel like your best bet is, uh, you know, try to build it for a mission for like a, a set, like try to like cover your bases as we, you know, anyone hasn't listened to it yet. We do have a, uh, a sh- episode talking about how to build your list for the missions and a lot of them pair together like, uh, um, sorry, like Clash of Kings and Dance of Dragons, uh, Dance of Dragons slash uh, Feast for Crows. Um, you know, all the missions have similar um, things that you can, tailor for and I would say you know make your list to to the missions and to what suits you what you're the most comfortable with and what uh, you know you kind of know inside and out and are able to perform well with um, Brett uh, what are your thoughts yeah I'm, I'm kind of in the same in the same boat to an extent with Craig um, this is definitely the best version of the game that we've had. It's definitely the most balanced, um, the most fair. Uh, it's going to be really tough to, you know, build a list that, that texts for everything. Um, really tough, actually. Um, so I think overall, yeah, you've just got to – I think you're going back to kind of the, the basics as far as wargaming goes and as far as, you know, taking advantage of the list pairing, I think you're wanting something that, you know, can deal with activation spam, like cheap units. So if you've got things that can attack twice or if you've got your own way to get your activations pushed out, 
that's a good idea. Uh, you also need something that can kind of bust armor. That could be panic. It could be, you know, something like great axes, pyromancers, or something like that. Um, and you're just going to have to do your best to, to build a list pairing that covers all bases, you know. You can build a list that's offensive and a list that's defensive, um, you know, a list that's quick hitter or a list that's really grindy. Uh, I think you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you do two lists that are too similar. Like, for example, if you were playing Night's Watch and you said, well, I'm going to run one list that's John Ranger Hunters and it's got another unit of Ranger Hunters and it's got some trackers, and then you pair that and you say, well, I'm just going to run John and Sworn Brothers and then I'm going to run Ranger Hunters and I'm going to run Ghost and Cold Hands. Like, you can get yourself into a situation like that where you run into, like, a, a well-performing Baratheon player, and it's just like you don't have enough to punch through, and you don't have the sustain required to get through these units, and you're just going to get ground to pieces. Um, so I think overall you want your list pairing to be quite different and, and definitely you know, being able to cover all of those bases, keeping in mind the missions as well, because I think the missions are randomly selected the day of. So there's really no tailoring. You're just going to have to do your best to reach into the toolbox that your faction offers and just try to cover all the bases as, as, as much as you can. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's it's one of those double-edged swords, you know, when you have a game that is not very balanced, it does make it so much more predictable to make your list. Um, and I think that just goes to show that, you know, this game, you're never going to have that perfect game. It's never going to be so perfectly balanced that there's no gripes here or there. But... Uh, I, I definitely agree that this is definitely the ber- best version of the game that we've had, and you know, and it shows when it comes to trying to build a list to counter all the different potential things that you're going to face. Um, now, that's not to say that there isn't things that need to potentially need to be addressed down the line, but you know, I feel like Simon's uh, definitely going in the right direction. Um, but uh so Brett you said uh you're playing uh Night's Watch for the main event you said uh, cuz that's the one you have painted Yep And then Craig uh I don't think you said what you were playing are you going to reveal the the craziness that is um that thing you know the thing uh, Oh yeah the thing the thing well I would love to reveal it <laughs> when I figure out what it is um, you it know might what be it something is. As simple as, it might be something as simple as Friday night. I'm like, well, I'll just flip a coin. Cause, well, I have a few lists, but which ones I'm going to take or which factions they belong to, I'm bouncing back and forth between. So that's a start. Sorry, gotcha. I can't give a better answer on that. But it's, it's probably going to be a coin flip Friday night when I hit the road. Um, it could be Eddard. It could, I know this may shock people, but I might run a Drogo list. I don't do that very often. Um, or it might be Greyjoys. So. Greyjoys, man. 
I think you should play uh, Blackfish in Holland. Well, that, yeah, that was also an option. Holland was <laughs> Holland was actually <laughs> the, the reason that I haven't already settled on Starks is because terrain is random. Otherwise, if I yeah. could uh, control the terrain, then I already would have gone Eddard Holland done. But yeah, I haven't I, gone I that think way. My, so. My favorite version of terrain, I, I think more terrain the better. You know, I love uh, yeah. just when I when I roll and I get five pieces because our group we always do random. But my favorite version of terrain, if like I got to pick the way it would be, would be each player picks one and they get to place it, so it doesn't just go into a pool that they could potentially not place. But then the other three are random, um, and then you. Uh, you know, that becomes your pool. Um, so it's, uh, granted, I know that's not like, that's not like one of the ways that's suggested in the book, uh, or in the rule book. It's just, that's, that was, uh, I've only ever gotten to do it that way once, uh, with a friend and that was always my favorite way. Um, but random is still fun. Um, but I definitely get what you're saying. You know, you roll three pieces, and then two of them are destructible, and it's like, all right, well, Holland is definitely nowhere near as effective, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's still really good. Don't get me wrong. He's still really strong. But he he loses a lot when the terrain isn't in his favor. Um, exactly. But... Uh, but at least you know you're you're talking about Starks though. You know, even though you threw horrible Drogo in there and uh, you know, those dirty Greyjoys, you know, the potential of you run, going back to the OG Starks uh, is there. It's always a good thing. I do, I do miss him. I miss him a lot. I've actually been playing them a lot, and I considered them for the 55-point tournament, and I still actually might. Um, I do have a couple lists. Uh, um, built that I might run in the tournament or in the 55, but um, my big thing is that even though my Starks are pretty well painted, I think my Greyjoys kind of blow them away as far as uh, the level of paint uh, paint job that I did, and I'm I'm hunting for best painted at least one of these tournaments, you know, one of the four. So we'll see um, what happens. Well, do you do you have ten Sworn Swords painted? Uh, oh, yet? I thought you were going to do the 55-point tournament. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh. Well, let's see. So, well, 10 times 5 is 50. So I don't need 10. I need 9. Because I would still run Eddard with his honored guard um, for 6 points. So that would be 51 points. So I could do 9 sworn swords, Eddard, an honored guard, and Catelyn. But Eddard and Honor Guard is a sworn sword unit, so you need. To... Yes, but but I, you know me and my OCD, I have um, eleven uh, sworn sword captains, all in the of course <laughs> the all the regular sculpts too. I I have like five ult, like Kickstarter alternate sculpt, and then four from the uh, attachment boxes, and then uh, <laughs> I have the new. Sworn Sword Captains from the new starter box. So, um, yeah, I uh, 
So that's usually what I use as my honor guard. It's just a unit, nothing but uh, sworn sword captains. So I have that one. And then I have six full painted um, sworn swords, so I would need three more somewhere. <laughs> um, so to kind of finish off the show, though, um, I'll ask uh, Brett, we'll go with you first. Is there uh, – oh, did he drop that? Guy dropped. Um, I think he thought the show was over since me and uh, Craig were, you know, just uh, chatting it up. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll jump over to you then, Craig. Uh, what's your just your overall final thoughts, whole thing, whole uh, convention, um, and your ex- expectations? Um, mostly just curiosity. Um, I want to see how these alternate tournaments turn out. Uh, I want to see what the breakdown is for factions on the Saturday tournament and just kind of see what happens. It's 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 all a great unknown, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just, just curious. Yeah, same. I I can't say it enough. I can't wait for, for the event to already start. We're only um, a couple days away for the first tournament. Like I said, I'm going to do my best to try to do um, some recap. Um, but, uh, you know, it's the problem with it is that they start at like 8 in the morning. Uh, I don't, to save on money, I drive back and forth. So, and it's about a 40-minute drive each way. So you're looking at starting at 8 in the morning, doing three or four rounds, depending which tournament it is, and then uh, driving home then having to wake up early again because you want to get there really early or else you're going to get a really crappy parking spot. Um, and, you know, I, I remember back when I went in 2019, I literally was playing, driving, sleeping, waking up, driving, playing. It, you know, there was almost no time, so much so that I almost uh, didn't even get to look at the vendor hall, I literally got a 20-minute look in between rounds because I finished early. Because uh, unfortunately, it's the vendor hall op- vendor hall opens and closes um, after the tournament starts and before the tournament ends, which really sucks when you play all four days because um, it's only open those four days. So it can get tricky. Um, Brett, uh, what's uh, What's your final thoughts on the whole tournament, every or every tournament, the whole event, the whole nine yards? <laughs> uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be basically the same as what I always say. You know, you're there to have fun. I know that it's stressful. I know that it's competitive. I know that things happen. There's gonna be rules dis- rules disputes. You're gonna dislike something that someone does. Um, it's gonna be questions of intent and things like this. Um, just remember that you're there for fun. People traveled, you know, don't lose your cool. Don't get into a situation where, you know, a judge has to come over and, and, and cool a situation down like that. That's never a good thing. Um, just be respectful. And, and overall, just um, being tilted is a real thing. Um, we could do a whole episode about the psychology of the game. But when you get tilted, like when something extremely bad happens like you know you've got this really big charge you know you can kill this unit uh and you roll a one on the charge you fail the charge 
Um, and then it, it can kind of spiral downhill from there. What you do as a result of that bad situation is going to determine if you're able to keep yourself in the game or not. If you have something unfortunate happen, and it, it can even be a dice situation, no? Like you get a charge and they're saving on fives, and, and you're thinking, cool, I'm going to get eight hits, they're vulnerable, I should get six or seven wounds out of this. Dice are dice, you know. Sometimes things happen. Maybe you get three or four out of it. It's way less than you expected. Your reaction to that is going to determine how you come back from that. If you get tilted fully and then you start feeling like you have to make really crazy irrational decisions like, well, now that unit's in big trouble, so now I have to take this big risk and go for this charge to bail them out and get rid of that unit, and it might not be the best thing, you know. So you've just got to keep your wits about you, and I know that it's really difficult, but that's, that's the biggest piece of advice that I can make is to just stay calm. Um, can use your frustration against you and bait you into some of those really bad decisions if he can sense that you're feeling desperate. So that is my overall advice on, like, the psychology of the game. You've just got to stay cool. Yeah, and I've mentioned this a couple times. You know, if you have not already listened to the episode, go listen to our uh, <clears throat> our gaming etiquette uh, episode. That episode is probably one of our best episodes um, a lot of great uh, conversations about, you know, just gaming etiquette and how to you – know, a lot of the stuff in that episode will, if you follow it, uh, will help even prevent a lot of that stuff from happening. You know, a lot of the, the arguments, um, the frustrations, you know, there's so many little things that you can do preemptively, you know, expressing your intent you know, that way when something, when you measure and it's wrong somehow, uh, you know, you've already expressed your intent, your your opponent agreed, and so, you know, you, you know where to go from there. Uh, determining what counts as a cocked die and what gets re-rolls. Um, determining, like, you know, if it falls off the table, you know, it's it's no good. I know that one's more, um, like, common common knowledge or common sense for most people, but... Um, it's just little things like that. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, even just saying, hey, if at any point you feel like I'm going a little too fast, just let me know. I, I do not, am not intending for it, uh, and I will do my best to slow down if, if that's the case. Just a lot of stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that will help uh, the the feelings of both players go a long way to avoiding uh, confrontation or uh, any arguments in the in the game. Um, just little things like that to kind of even like just things to hash out at the beginning of the game. And I believe uh, Martin, who is the TO for all four tournaments, even puts that in the packet about um, you know hashing a lot of these things out. Uh, because it just it improves the quality of the game so much once you kind of because I'd say more often than not most of the arguments come from these little things and misunderstandings of how uh, or the expectation of what would for example count as a cocked die I know some people that even if it's on the little terrain piece the 2D terrain piece that they count that as a cocked die which I kind of I disagree with, but 
I'm not like so adamantly against it that I would be like, no, no, that's that's not how we're going to play it. I just I like to know ahead of time because sometimes it can, can it can seem uh, suspicious if you don't talk about it beforehand and then a key roll lands on that and they go, okay, re-roll and you go, wait a second, what? <laughs> um, or some people, it could be completely up on a tray, completely like, you know, uh, cocked, but they they the way they naturally play is they move the die to whatever it would have landed on even though that's a weird thing to say because you never know what it would have landed on had the tray not been there. But still, these are little things that may seem super weird to you, but that person and possibly that person's gaming group all play that way. And so for them, it's common. Um, so it's just a great thing to kind of hash out. You hash it out once at the beginning, and then you don't even have to worry about it the rest of the game, um, or at least you shouldn't. So... But with that said, we can kind of end it there. Uh, I will mention one more time, the giveaway for the starter uh, will be a random uh, uh, person that calls in on the next, I shouldn't say in the next episode, it'll be on the episode labeled as Adepticon 2022 post-game. Um, so, uh, and if we do two versions, if we do if we do two episodes, because there's so much to talk about, it'll be Adepticon 2022 post-game one, and we'll name the other one post-game two. But post-game one will be the one where you'll want to call in, and uh, a random winner will, uh, or a random caller will win a starter. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. I will, <clears throat> I will get with my hosts on what day we're going to do it, and what time of day it will start. That way uh, um, I can let you guys know way ahead of time so you can kind of plan to have your lunch break or your dinner time break or whatever the case may be to call in. Uh, and I will predetermine the number uh, the caller has to be. So I'll just throw a number out there. I don't know, caller you know, the third caller will win it. it. It won't just be like a random, you know, I feel like giving it to this person. So keep that in mind. You'll win a starter. Even if you don't need a starter, I'm sure someone in your gaming group who's new could definitely use one, or maybe you could use it as uh, prize support as at your next local tournament to help a newer player uh, kind of get in. A lot what I like to do for our tournaments is I... Um, do a raffle for any new player, um, and even if you're the only new player, um, whoever wins that raffle gets a Stark or Lannister starter half of their choice uh, from the Lannister versus Stark starter. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, but with that said, I thank you all so much for uh, listening in. It's good to be back, and I can't wait to do more episodes. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.